Dave opened the service today, he talked a little bit about that, and I'm going to repeat just a little bit because I'm going to move us very quickly through to get to the subject of first fruits. Okay? So on Wednesday this past week, Pastor Dave taught us that it was Rosh Hashanah. Um, it was Rosh Hashanah. And it was actually the beginning of the Jewish year. And between Rosh Hashanah, which was Wednesday, September 4th, and the next High Holy Day, Yom Kippur, which begins the sunset of September 13th, so this coming week, Friday, that period of time is called the Days of Awe or the Days of Repentance. It's a serious time of introspection. It's a time to consider the sins of the previous years and repent before Yom Kippur. So it's an obligation that we are asked to do, okay? If all you have is 20 minutes, take 20 minutes and sit before the Lord and just say, God, is there anything that I've done this past year to repent of, okay? It says, one of the ongoing themes of the Day of Awe is a concept that God has books that he writes our names in, writing down who will live and who will die, who will have a good life and who will have a bad life for the next year. Isn't that interesting? These books are written in on Rosh Hashanah, which is Wednesday this past week, but our actions during this 10-day period of time can alter God's decree. The actions that change the decree are teshuva, tefillah, and zedekah. That's repentance, prayer, good deeds like charity. So the books are sealed on Yom Kippur, which remember I told you Yom Kippur is sunset September 13th this coming Friday when it starts. So among the customs during that time, seek reconciliation with people you may have wronged during the course of the year. Yom Kippur atones only for sins between man and God. To atone for sins against another person, you must first seek reconciliation with that person righting the wrongs you committed against them if possible. So then Yom Kippur, so there we have Rosh Hashanah, New Year, 10 days of awe, where we're supposed to be going through this time of repentance so that the books that are written in can be changed. And then now we're into Yom Kippur. It's probably the most important holiday of the entire Jewish year. The name Yom Kippur means Day of Atonement, and that pretty much explains what the holiday is. It is a day set aside to afflict the soul, to atone for the sins of the past year. In days of awe, God inscribes all of our names on Yom Kippur. The judgment entered in these books is sealed. Do you remember Pastor Dave did this for us? He told us to write. This was like five years ago. He told us, put all, our, all, of, all of our issues, all of our sins, remember, and he wanted us to go out to the ocean and toss it. Some of you may remember that. Some of us had to toss it in the toilet because we couldn't get to a body of water. So we just did, and we obeyed what God did. But it was a cleansing. See, the reason pastors want me to teach Pastor Peggy's laughing at me. The reason Pastor wants this first fruits to be taught is because you know how they've been saying something big is about ready to happen, something good is coming? Well, this period of time, as Pastor Dave blew the chauffeur earlier, it's a significant time. Pastor really feels that this is that breakthrough for all of us in our lives. When we did the car, the seed, that was a significant moment, a set appointed time God had for this church. This season, pastors feel, is yet another set appoint time, a season for this church. They want us to get in on this season and not miss 
our set appointed time. Okay, so that's why I'm giving you a very quick Rosh Hashanah, Days of All, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, because he, you have to go through the cleansing repentance process, right, for your offering before the Lord to be acceptable. Because it says you can't bring an offering to the Lord if you have baggage. Okay, it's time to get rid of any baggage. That's why I said, if all you can do is 20 minutes, because most of us think, oh my gosh, this is a big ordeal. Where am I going to find the time to get this done? Just take a few minutes, sit before the Lord peacefully, okay, to get the cleansing process and the baggage off so that then you can bring your offering before the Lord. So what is the offering? It is not the tithe. We understand the tithe, that's the 10% of our gross income. But this first fruits is an offering unto the Lord. So we'll get beyond Yom Kippur now. Where does this first fruits fit in? The next festival after Yom Kippur's September 13th is actually begins September 18th. And Pastor Dave mentioned that it is the festival of Sukkot, S-U-K-K-O-T, begins September 18th, goes through September 25th. It says it is quite a drastic transition from one of the most solemn holidays in our year to one of the most joyous. Sukkot is so unreservedly joyful that it is commonly referred to in Jewish prayer and literature as a season of our rejoicing. It commemorates the 40-year period during which the children of Israel were wandering in the desert, living in temporary shelters. But agriculturally, now here's that piece, Sukkot is a harvest festival and is sometimes referred to as the festival of ingathering or translated Feast of Tabernacles. So pastor said, you know, we're st that Sukkot is celebrating our eventual home up in heaven, but then I want to take off on the agricultural side of Sukkot, okay? There's three holidays that are associated with first fruits in the Old Testament. There's the Passover, there's Shavuot, which is the Feast of Weeks, and the Tabernacles, which is Sukkot, is the third time, okay? So I know it's a lot of like, ooh, all this stuff, and there's so much you can just spin off on each one of these, but the bottom line is there is a first fruits activity associated with this upcoming festival called Sukkot. Okay, so Rosh Hashanah, Days of Awe, Time for Repentance, Yom Kippur, Books are Sealed, Offering Time, Sukkot, part of that. So part of Sukkot is where the first fruits come in. So what is first fruits? First fruits refers to the first portion of the harvest. Remember I said there was an agricultural portion to the Sukkot festival? It's, it's, an, it's an harvest time. It's an opportunity to give to God. First fruits are the first that came, right? So when the Israelites, a lot of them were sheep herders, a lot of them were sowed, and they had corn, they had oil and stuff. The first things that came on the trees, the first things that fruited in the land, the first things that came is what they offered to the Lord as a first fruit, okay? It's a pledge, it's a hope of greater harvest to come. It's specifically dedicated to God, okay? So let me read you just a few scriptures because pastor gave me five to eight minutes and I need to just really honor that. But we're going kind of fast. Exodus 23, 19, the first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring into the house of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not see the kid in his mother's milk. Where do first fruits go? They come into the house of the Lord. Okay. 
Second Chronicles 31.5, And as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of corn, wine, oil, and honey, and of all the increase of the field, and the tithe of all things brought they in abundantly. So they were doing first fruits and the tithe. Proverbs 3.9, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Ezekiel 44.30, And the first of all the first fruits of all things and every oblation of all of every sort of your oblation shall be the priests key right there you shall also give unto the priest the first of your dough that he may cause the blessing to rest in thine house okay so first fruits is honoring God first fruits is the first of your income the first like some people when it begins the new year when they're celebrating first fruits and we study that in this church so i know i'm going to go over it a little fast come talk to me dan pastor dave pastor peggy our teachers in this house okay i'm not putting myself in that category but i mean i just have a little bit of study there but on the front row they're the ones that understand a lot of this detail but what i'm saying is and i'll teach more next week if pastor gives me an opportunity there is pardon me Oh, okay. We'll talk more about the first fruits because it is very right. There, it is. It is. Um, there is a lot to it. And I, I, if I was you, I'd be sitting here going, "Okay, so how do I prepare my first fruit offering?" I'm hearing that I have to give to the Lord because it opens up the blessings to come into my life, and it's to be given to the priests in the house of the Lord, which is where we're sitting. Okay. So now I'm just going to have you hang there until Wednesday then. I didn't know I was going to teach on Wednesday. But it's, it's very important to understand because I do agree with pastors. This is going to be just like that car prepared us for certain things. This is a preparatory moment and preparation to get it, um, to, op to have the, I keep getting the word breakthrough. It's a moadib, it's a set appointed time, it's a breakthrough for the things you've been believing God for for your own ministry, for the call upon your life, for your jobs, for your families, for your house that you're believing for, for everything. This is that time, because I do agree with pastors uh, that, that um, we're in a very short period of time, and as pastor said, things are gonna happen very quickly and then we're gone. But we have to be, meaning we're gone, we get raptured, we're up in heaven, but um, we need preparatory time, okay? And I've exceeded my time, so I need to stop. So cliffhanger, wait till Wednesday. <laughs> okay. She'll teach some more on Sunday on that too. But since this coming week, when you think about it, is the week that we are to repent and get everything off of us that if we hold odd against someone, we need to really go to that person. And who has Children's Church today? Christine, go ahead and... I know Christine doesn't hold on against people. Um, go ahead and take the kids out. Praise the Lord. Um, this is the, you need to go to that person. I mean, I've had to go to people and tell them, you know, I, I ask you to forgive me and I will not stop until they will forgive me. If they don't want to, that's their problem. You know, that's, that's up to them. But, you know, we did a whole seminar one time. We went to a seminar and this man taught on these things and he said, you need to get the person to forgive, you know, ask them to forgive you and, and, and get an answer. 
Remember that? Get an answer. Is that okay about her on Wednesday night with you? Good. Um, get an answer. So this coming week, you might have some people that you have bad feelings towards. If you have them in this church, please deal with it. Okay? If, if you are a person in this church, you know, some of you might have it towards me. Come to me. I'm easy to deal with. <laughs> Trust me, I won't yell at you. I'll forgive you. I, I want to make it to heaven. I don't want my blessings stopped. And as she went on, many people's blessings have been stopped this year because they've had ought against somebody or some, some people. And so God, God cannot move. And you say, well, how can you say that? Well, let me just go to Mark 11 and I'll go ahead and pray first. Father, I thank you for the anointing that's upon your word in this service this morning. And I thank you, Father God, that you have given us the opportunity to proclaim your word with authority. And the anointing has come to, to destroy every yoke of bondage in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father God, that as this word goes forth, it will set the captives free. And we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Amen. Hallelujah. In Mark 11... And we'll go with, uh, start verse 22. And Jesus replied, saying to them, have faith in God constantly, all the time. Do you remember when Jesus talked to, to the disciples and he needed, and they said, how, how often do we have to forgive? And he said, seven times 70 for the same thing. And so a lot of times people feel like, I just can't get over this. Well, you might have these thoughts towards a person in one day. I hope not. <laughs> if you do, you need to come up for prayer. I'll rub you bald if I need to. But he said that get rid of this, get rid of this stuff, so you don't get a. In other words, you don't get a root of bitterness here. But look at what it says here. It takes faith, and 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 one of them said, "This this, this is gonna. I'm gonna paraphrase. It's gonna. This is this is a lot to ask." This, that's really a lot to ask, to forgive this person seven times, 70 times, or whoever. Well, no, it's not, because then he goes on to say, Truly I say, whoever says to the mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not dot at all in his heart, but believes what he says will, will take place, it will be done for him. For this reason, I'm telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, trust, and be confident that it is granted to you and you will get it. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Let it drop, leave it, let it go in order that your Father who is in heaven will also let it drop. Forgive you your own failing shortcomings and let them drop. But if you do not forgive, Neither will your Father in heaven forgive your failings and shortcomings. That, to me, is one of the heaviest scriptures in the Bible. Because our giving and receiving and everything we do has to, has to go with this. Our prayer life, everything we do. And some people stand there and they go, well, why have not, you know, I've, I've given and I've done what you've told me to do. But you might have ought against your boss. You might have ought against someone. You, you know, it's stopping it. It's, it's, like, it's like 
forgive me, someone that needs an enema, they are plugged up. And it's not going to move until, till, till something happens. So some people need a good laxative in this area. Amen? That's the best way I can explain this so you can all get it. You may as well laugh. You can't have this. You can't hold on. And, and some people are saying, man, my, I'm just, the money's not coming in and things aren't being paid off. And, you know, I can almost guarantee you there's an area that you're walking in that has closed the door to this, slammed it shut. You know, just, just slammed it shut. And people go on, don't know what's going on. Okay, let's go on now. We just, we've started a, a series in seven steps towards demon possession. And how many remember where I stopped last week? My little kids out here. Remember, Jesus went about, Jesus went about doing good, Acts 10, 38, and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. It is not his plan for anyone to be oppressed of the devil. Amen? Pardon? And what was for? Okay, well, I'm going to go back a little bit for those that might not have been here because there was a couple of things that I wanted. I, I kind of ran through these at the end, and so I want to go back a little bit. Often, repression begins at home. You know, I've had a lot of people say, well, the doctor says I'm stressed. I've had a lot of people come to me in counseling and say, the doctor says I need to deal with some things. The doctor says I'm stressed. The doctor says this. And they'll look at me and they, they'll tell me, how can I tell my doctor that this stress is in my own home? It's with my mate. This stuff is going on in my own home. Or how can I, how can I you know, it, it's embarrassing for me to tell you as my pastor that this is going on. They, help, they hold this in. So... Every home should take a survey of its members. The daughter in the home can be the repressor. When something goes wrong, she flies into a tantrum. And it takes everybody in the house to get the things back to normal again. Sometimes it can be the wife and mother who causes everybody to tiptoe around. If something displeases her and she makes the home a miserable place to live. It also can be a belligerent husband the family can be healthy and smiling until he opens the door. Then you would think death had walked in. He bellows and yells until everybody just dies inside, and that man represses what could be a happy home. And I'm telling you, if you have that going on in your home, you need to go, and if, and if it is your mate, you need to go to the mate and talk to the mate. If it is your child, well, you know what to do. Go through Psalms and Proverbs and it'll tell you what to do. It's pretty simple. And real simple. And if someone who has my rod could bring it, I will show you what a good rod looks like. Okay, praise the Lord. <laughs> Further, repression can happen at work. And this, this is often where repression happens. It can come from the owner of the company. It can come from the boss. It can come from the foreman. If he likes, he can be as mean as the devil to the men who work for him. He can cause and scream at the men until they are nervous wrecks. 
Finally, the men even hate to go to work. When they do, they won't smile and barely speak when the foreman is around because they are repressed. I mean, I don't want you to raise your hands, but a lot of people have worked under that. One of our sons has worked under that, but the reason he stays is because he makes so much money. <laughs> he says it's going to make it worth my while if I have to live with a person that has these problems. You ask, but why has this, what has this to do to the de with the devil? It is the devil who makes people act like this. So you need to realize it is not the person, it is the enemy. We are not dealing with flesh and blood, but what? Principalities and powers, amen? And that's what we need to realize so we know we can pray this and bind it in the person. In repression, which we are in right now, it's a bad sign when a person goes silent. How many know, have pe known people that go silent? They, just, they don't want to talk. They don't want to deal with it. They just, that's a, that's a bad sign. A soul in solitude is headed for trouble. Eyes that glazed in a, in a fixed stare reveal bondage. When that happens, you need to get them to help. To lose the good spirit of joy and happiness is to take the road to a ruined personality, and it's, and it's fast when that starts. Every Christian should be careful not to repress others, and every human expresses, should express himself joyfully. Every Christian should be joyful, whether you like it or not. We saw saying about Paul and Silas in the prison, um, one of the um, ministers that we know just went to Israel and, and all around the area and they showed the prison that Paul and Silas were in. And let me tell you, it was no lovely place to be in. They had to have had so much joy in them. That's why Paul could say, follow me as I follow Christ. Because I can guarantee you 99 and 9 tenths of America, if they were put somewhere like that, would not be shouting out, singing praises to God in the middle of the night. Hallelujah. So the next was suppression. This means to abnormally squeeze down. It also means to conceal as to suppress information. Feelings and desires when not expressed can be suppressed or kept back. They want anybody to know about it. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to tell. The minute someone says, "I don't. I don't want to tell," you know, there are people in the church that have actually told people when they've come to them, "If you tell me anything, I am obligated to share this kind of thing with the pastor," and they get upset. And they get mad. Well, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want that on me. When we were working every church we've worked in, I, I went by the same format. If you're gonna tell me anything, then know that I'm gonna talk to the pastor about it because I'm not the one in charge of this. Amen. The devil is very keen on suppression. 
It represents another step towards deterioration of emotion and the destruction of full and complete personal happiness. You know, there are, there are people that are like this, and it, it, what happens around them either makes them happy or they're down. They can go, they can go really low, or they, they can be high, or they can get low. And a lot of times you'll see this um, with things. They really want, want something. And if they don't get it, they throw little fits, or they get angry, or they get quiet, or they whatever. Until they get it, then they're happy for a time, but that does not fulfill the desire in their heart because only God can fill that. You know, things cannot fulfill the spiritual hunger that we have in our heart. And so when you think about this, you know, well, let's move on. Suppression is an artificial thing which comes from without. It is an unholy action because God in the entire Bible revealed dynamic expression openly and less or desire of exuberance or feeling. Trying, I want to get ahead of myself here. Let us realize that the devil causes regression to spiritual life. I could not believe the other night I had on, um, I don't want to tell you what evangelist, but he's a well-known healing evangelist. And he had a guy uh, on talking about demons. I hope none of you were watching that or sat there and looked at it or heard it, but I was almost howling. It was so ridiculous. And they talked about dog demons and, and, and I just, I, all of it, None of it was in the Word. None of it was in the Word. And I thought, what happened to you? How could, I mean, how could you sit here sucking up what this guy is saying when none of it is in the, no scripture was given at all and none of it was in the Word. So I, that's why pastor says, go back to what scripture in Acts? The Bereans studied the Bible continually. We hear, heard this morning on the, the, in the morning session where Gloria said, all they did was study the Word of God. And I was sitting back there thinking in preparation for what God had to them, for them. And I was sitting back there thinking about the time when we'd gone to a Kenneth Copeland meeting. Actually, it was Jerry Seville that had laid hands on us. And I, I'm not kidding. I got thrown back probably from here to, or from there to where Nate is, it seemed like at least... I know I flew through the air and I laughed all night. God did something, but when I came home, I couldn't, I couldn't watch TV anymore. And so I ended up, at first, I didn't say anything. I just ended up getting myself out of there, but finally I had to say something. And that was at a period of time when Matt was going in rebellion and the Lord said, get it out of the house. Just get it out of the house. And at that, I remember him speaking at that time. It was right when we started this church, not, you know, the first one. And it was right around that time. And I remember him saying, you cannot, you will not operate in the things of the spirit that I'm teaching you to do unless you get this out of here now. And so I was sitting back here thinking, because, you know, I know they, I know Kenneth watches football games and whatever. It was 
Matt was 11, and that, it was, and I don't think, I'm trying to think, I think he was 19 or 20. Was it 19? When it, when it came back in. It was that many years of just getting yourself in the Word. Thank God there wasn't computers or anything, nothing. But literally sitting down and reading the Word and listening to the Spirit and David Ingalls tapes. And I didn't listen to C DVDs or CDs. Those days they were CDs very, 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 very rarely. It was the Word. God has always sent me to the Word. Not, not someone else teaching the Word, but the Word. You go and learn the Word and I will show you the Word. And so I was thinking about that today. When God's preparing you for something, He'll tell you to shut everything, shut it down. Just shut it off. Shut it down. Especially if you're going to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Especially if you're going to deal with demonic spirits. Trust me. Because you're going to have to listen to what the Spirit of God is telling you. And there are a lot of Looney Tunes out there now. Okay. Then Satan moves to repression, which is the great step downward. It has to do with restraining or holding back the natural expressions of life. And there are so many angry, repressed people out there today. I've never, I've never seen such an unhappy bunch of people in my life. And so with, with suppression, we have concealment of greater pressure moving against the victorious Christian life. There's like a pressure you can't seem to, to move on. It's like you're stuck. I'm not going to have anybody raise their hands, but if you've ever felt like you're stuck and you just can't move on, then you ha you're in suppression. You've got to get out of it. Okay, let's turn to um, John 14, 12, if we can. That was the third step. And the devil will not stop at the third step or any other place. However, you can stop him and refuse to be regressed, repressed, or suppressed. Okay? You can stop that yourself. Okay? Okay, Dan, would you read that scripture out loud for me, if you can? John 14, 12. Verily, verily, I say to you, he who believes on me shall do... The works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. That scripture, to me, greater works than, than he shall we do, because I go to the Father, is something that I have held high. That has been a, a standard or a, how can I put this the best way I want to put this? That it's not just a desire, but it has been a something to hang on to for me. When the enemy tries to come and say, well, you know what? This has happened and this has happened to you and you're never going to get up. That you know, he never shuts up. How many know that? You know? <laughs> he does not shut up. And the sad thing is because people don't share, 
You know, I, I, heard a, I heard a man recently, and this was really sad, and I called pastor in to listen to it, and I'm not going to tell you what he was into because it doesn't really matter, but he was born again. For seven years, he was able to withstand the, 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 the sin that he'd been involved in, and because he was being harassed in his mind constantly, it, you know, it could be smoking, drinking, whatever. It's, you know, it can, could be unforgiveness. doesn't matter. For seven years, he said, I fought this thing and fought this thing and fought this thing. And he, he thought there was something wrong with him. No one shared that everybody goes through these things in their mind. I, I felt so bad for this man. It was pitiful. And so he went, he went back into the world and fell back into this thing for years. And then fi finally, I don't remember what happened. He got so far out there in sin, something happened and it grabbed him. And he came back to the Lord and under, then he was able to understand everybody is harassed. Everybody's going to deal with circumstances and situations. It's what, what Gloria said this morning was so powerful. What did she say? It was the worst day of her life when she read that one scripture. It was about being in debt, but I shared, Dan asked for people to share, and I shared it was, I had some very worst days of my life when I read certain scripture when I was first saved because I looked at that and there were things that I was still doing and I looked at that and I was like, I don't know how to get free of this. I, I really do not know how to get free of it. Thank God it wasn't debt. <laughs> Pastor married me and I was in tremendous amounts of debt. And thank God he had money to get me out of debt. But I looked at that and I, I looked at those things and it's the word that'll set you free. And studying the word and taking that time. And like she said, it, she got in the word and the word only. So that's what I've always kept out there. Jesus said, greater things than me shall you do because I go to the Father. That means that, just leave it, I've got more. Everything is available to us. Everything is available to us that Jesus did. Okay. Then we talked about depression. And I want to get on this one a little bit more today. I want to get a little deeper into this one, and we've got time. The fourth step towards complete demon domination is depression. And this, from the other three, is a big step. It's a, I hate to say this, but it is a step of choice, okay, in many times. Not always, but in many times. They, you decide, or the person decides, I'm not going to cry out. I'm not going to cry out for help. I'm not going to, to try to find help. I'm just going to pull myself in, and I'm going to yield to this and allow it to just pretty much overtake me. It can, it can come from sickness. It can come from disease. It can come from um, anger. It can come from, from almost anything. Okay, and so in depression, there's a broken spirit. One is pressed down until his spirit is crushed. There's no hope. They feel like they're hopeless. 
To remain depressed for a long period of time is of the devil. It is not normal to life. God doesn't want anyone depressed. Any person who stays depressed for an extended time is sick. Okay? And this is where, this is how there's, you have the three and then you jump into this one. When you get into this one, this is where suicide thoughts come. I don't want to live anymore. Okay? This is how serious this one is. Okay? Depression. The devil takes advantage of people in this state of mind and moves in with conflict and confusions that will destroy their happiness. You might write down those two words, conflicts and confusion. Conflict and confusion. All of a sudden, you notice that they start to become extremely conflicted and extremely confused. Okay, sounds like an Alzheimer's patient almost, but it's not, okay. That will destroy their happiness, their homes, and their businesses. The depression will destroy every part of a person's natural life. It's a sad, and it really is, it's sad to see the masses of people in America that are, that are under depression. Now, it's interesting to me, all these pills that five or ten years ago they were giving women for depression, now they're finding out all the effects that this has had on their bodies, which is sad. All these women, I remember when, when I had my surgery and I saw my doctor, he says, well, what, 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 are, you, what are you on for, for depression or anything? And I said, nothing. He said, you're kidding. I said, no, I have the Lord. And he said, every patient that I have outside of you is on. That, that, that was pretty wild. I thought, good heavens. So we need to look at this. We have the Lord. When the enemy tries to, to get you to do something or take something or whatever, you need to pray about it. I'm not saying don't, but I'm, I'm just saying you need to pray about it and ask the Lord. I've had prescriptions given to me that the Lord has said, don't, don't get them filled, don't take it. Don't even take it. Okay. Psalms 42, 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for, his, for the help of his countenance. David, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. That's the way you should get up every morning and start the day blessing the Lord. You know, there's a, there's a teacher on TV right now and he's selling food for seven years and teaching out a revelation. And I sat there the other night and watched it for a while and started laughing. If you believe this, then you are, if, when people start listening to this, fear sets in and they become depressed and all of a sudden they want to go out and buy all this food. 
Man, the food bill now has gone up to $5,000. When he first started this thing, it was 1000 Give 1000 to the ministry. This guy was around 20-something years ago. I'm going to be blunt here. Went, ended up in prison. Blamed it on the Word of Faith movement. And now he's back with the same gimmicks, only then it wasn't food, okay? So I want you to think about this. I'm, you say she's putting this stuff out on the air. Somebody better, okay? Causes of depression. Deaths. Divorce. Hurt, deep, deep hurt. When someone has hurt you deeply. Physical ailments. Injuries. They can cause, you know, if, if you listen to the enemy long enough, he can get you in a big black hole and you can't get yourself out of it. So let's look at Proverbs 17:22. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, and a broken spirit drieth the bones. Amen. Depression is triggered by loss, deep trouble, heavy financial burdens, family problems, or disappointments. Listen to this. Loss, deep trouble, heavy financial burdens, family problems, or disappointment can, can depress a person, leaving them dejected and forlorn. That's pretty heavy. Okay, we went, we've gone far enough into this. We're going to oppression. This is number five, and this is where we left off, correct? The fifth stage through which a devil drags a person to destroy and possess him is called oppression. It is a vast area of human experience, far deeper and more involved than depression. Okay? So take good notes here. To oppress anyone is to weigh him down with something he is not able to carry. Remember the children of Israel in Egypt? They were cruelly treated, beaten unmercifully, and crushed down until they couldn't carry their burdens any longer. If you are oppressed, you are burdened with a load that is more than you can carry. You feel like, I can't go through this anymore. It's just, it's, it's just like this huge load. Acts 10.38 Jesus, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So this is something that this isn't even something that a believer should have to deal with. Amen? Oppression through fear. One of the greatest causes of oppression is fear. 
Millions of people are oppressed by fear. Remember what Jesus said, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. That's why 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 is so important to me. Because when I first got saved, pastor's reading a book right now by a well-known minister that got delivered out of the mental hospital. And when you read, you know, you started reading the book and told me about it. And I was like, good heavens, there, there wasn't anything he hadn't done. And um, God set him free. But he had to literally, and I've shared this before, he had to literally take every thought captive to the Lord. And if, if a person can do this, and I had to do this, if a person will do this, they will and take the scripture, put the scripture in there, instead of that negative thought that the enemy comes, they'll be set free every time. Because he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all destruction. That's why the word's so important. That's why when you begin to get angry, when you begin to become rebellious, you know you have to deal with rebellion or you know it's a family curse, if you know it's against authority or whatever, you need to, you need to take the word of God and you need to immediately, not, not when you get in the middle of this thing, but you've got to take it immediately and deal with it immediately and deal with it. Casting down imaginations and reasonings. Because what the enemy will do is drag you back to the past, show you what happened in the past, and tell you it's going to happen again. So casting down imagination and reasonings and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. This thing wants to, this is what, what the enemy does. He tries to exalt himself his words, his whatever, against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the beings of Christ. You know, I've heard people tell me before, I don't have any friends. Nobody calls me. Well, I look at them and say, do you call them? You know, the phone works both ways. You call them? Same in families. I mean... It works both ways. Hallelujah. So let's look at this. It's a great fear. John eight forty four. You are of the, your father, the devil. How'd you like to have Jesus tell you that? You're of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, the father of it. He's talking about the devil. The devil is a liar. He does not tell the truth. So if, you're, if the word of God says that by his stripes you were healed, the enemy's going to come over here and tell you it's never going to happen. Who's speaking to you? Say, so, you know, Abraham went on for years after a promise was given to him, and Sarah got older and older and older, 
and things stop working in her body and his too. I really believe both of them. But they had to keep confessing things. And don't kid yourself. If you don't think the enemy was on him continually, trust me, he was telling him the same junk that he tries to tell us. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. And I'm sure he used with him very often when you have Ishmael. That wasn't God's plan. You already have a son. That wasn't the son. That wasn't the chosen son. When we get to know how the enemy torments people, then, then we'll understand when torment becomes to come to, starts to come to us, we'll understand how to deal with it. And if you see a loved one that's being tormented, you need to go and say, can I pray with you and take authority over that thing and get it off of them? <laughs> it takes a lot of guts because people get mad. Well, rather mad than... Okay. The devil wants to torment people. He wants to hurt them. And he wants to mock and laugh at God while he does it. He wants to laugh and mock at God while he does it. Here's the means and ways of oppression. Are you ready? Write these down. <sighs> Number one. He made, a, he made try to crush your spirit by having people you thought were your friends attack you viciously. Or not just friends, but maybe people at work attack you viciously. He may seek to trample you down through disasters and woes. That's number two. This disaster happened. You know, I look at the people that have gone through hurricanes, lost tornadoes, lost their homes. That's a disaster and a woe. You know, when you see those things happening, you need to pray for those people. Number three, he will try to overpower you with great display of demonic power, which hurts you on all sides until you feel helpless against cruel onslaught. In other words, not just at work, but your family. Let me tell you, if you're in the ministry, or if you have, God has blessed you with one of the spiritual gifts, and people that don't understand it, they will make fun of you. They will say things. They will look at you weird. You just got to get over it. You know that God's spoken to you. Do what God's told you to do. Amen? Now, this is a big one. And don't get caught up in this because it'll destroy you. He might weigh you down with an awesome sense of responsibility. I'm going to say this one again. He might weigh you down with an awesome sense of responsibility for the people and actions in your family, 
or community. I will say it again. He might weigh you down with an awesome sense of responsibility for the people and actions of your family or community. He might even burden you with a feeling that all your trouble and misfortune is punishment from God of some sort. You know, I've shared this before, but I, I'll share it again. We went to Rama. I couldn't believe it. Um, almost all of Pastor's family told him that his dad or mother were going to die before we, when we were there. I thought, oh, brother. And... Um, not only that, but then he actually had an aunt that we'd only met a few times, and her uncle, come up and tell me that. How can you leave knowing that this is going to happen? And I'm like, they're not going to die while we're gone. And they didn't. We'd go on vacations, and they'd say, you know, something's going to happen while you're gone. No, it's not, and it didn't. People will try to burden you down with their cares, and you can't allow it because it will open up the door to oppression through fear. And then you will find that even at work, fear will try to come upon you. Wherever you go, fear will try to come upon you. I know I'm going slow in this, but I really feel like I need to. All these things fall in the category of de demonic oppression. Oppression can be defeated. Exercise your Christian dominion over the devil's power. You do this through faith, prayer, and action. Your faith and prayer are good, but if you don't act upon it, it's not going to work. How many know that? You can have faith, and you can pray, but if you don't act upon it, it's not going to move. Have faith to command God's power in your life. Have faith to command God's power in your life. How many have ever done that? I command God's power in my life. We should do that every day. I command God's power in my life. This should be a daily. It takes faith to command it. Have faith to command God's power in your life. Two, pray to strengthen your inner being. So you have faith to command God's power in your life. In other words, the word is working mightily in me. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. That's why I say, if you put on David Ingalls' music in your house, I promise you, I guarantee you, I will stand on it. If you pray, if you put this music on in your house and don't listen to anything else, for three months, 
everything will leave. I guarantee it. I'm not kidding. The de it drives the devil out because all these things is the word. Say, well, I don't like, I don't know. Do it. You'll be shocked. Pray to strengthen your inner being. Three, act to overcome and destroy the works of the devil. Act to overcome and destroy the works of the devil. If you see that you're, that you're one of those personalities that can flip back and forth, one day you're d discouraged, one day you're happy, the next day you're angry, it's like this, like this roller coaster type thing, then you need to do all three of these things every day. Deal with it. Deal with it. I'll tell you how pastor stopped one thing that, that I used to, to have, and I had to know I don't like using myself, but um, because of my past experience from a previous marriage, and there was so much anger, he had a look, and I thought he was angry. And so <laughs> I would say, you're angry, aren't you? How would you like to have your wife do this all the time? You're angry, aren't you? I'm not angry. You're angry, aren't you? I'm not angry. After about 15 times, um, finally he'd say, if you keep it up, I'm going to get angry. And so, um, you know, he, he's, he, he's, he used to be a very angry, unpatient man, but he's a very patient man now. People go, I don't believe it, but it's the truth. Anyway, he caught me. He came home from work in a graveyard one night and he got, came in the bed and he used to come in and kiss me. He got right up in my face, woke me up, and he said, I'm looking at you, just do it because I'm not looking at you. You're angry, aren't you? He just woke up. You're angry, aren't you? And I'm sitting here after about the fourth time and I'm not ready to punch him in the face. I'm not kidding you. Are you nuts or what? And he wouldn't shut up. Remember that? Hastings Lane, I remember it. You're angry, aren't you? I know you're angry. <laughs> I feel... That cured it, man. It was like, that's, that's it. You know, it was like, until you see it, you don't know you're doing it. So, deal with it. If you're oppressed by the devil with disease and fear, with nerves, with anything, receive deliverance now. This is how. Have faith to command God's power in your life. I'll be honest with you. I have not done that every day. I don't know if any of us have. But you're learning something. This is, if you learn anything new, this is it today. Have faith to command God's power in your life. Two. Honey, please write these down. I pray you are. Pray to strengthen your inner being. Three, act to overcome and destroy the works of the devil. I don't suggest everybody do that to their mate right first thing in the morning. <laughs> but it worked. Six, oppression. Here we go. The sixth way, I don't have much time on this one. The sixth way the devil can take over a human life is by oppression. Obsession, I'm sorry, obsession. 
O-B-S-E-S-S-I-O-N. There are two kinds of obsession. As with most things, there are two kinds, there are two types of many things, but one we could call positive obsession. For example, Christ was obsessed with his own destiny of saving the world. He was obsessed to save the world. The Apostle Paul was obsessed with the gospel of Jesus Christ so much that a Roman governor told him he was a madman. There were magnificent obsessions, these, these two. Oh, boy. Now we're going to go with the, with the negative. At this stage of demonic demon domination, I doubt that an individual being hurt by Satan could save himself without the assistance of another. Matter of fact, I know it. Okay? So listen up. A, sure, a person who is repressed can shake it off in Jesus' name and be free if they do these three things I just talked about, okay? And I'm, I'm going to tell you, if you're in any of these states, I would highly suggest that you turn off everything you're listening to outside of the Word or outside of worship, praise me. I, I would highly suggest that. When a person is depressed, he needs to be reminded the, the danger of it, but he can rid himself of it and be happy. You have a choice. Be sad or be happy. But if you can't, if you cannot, if you cannot get yourself joyful in the Lord, there's something wrong. You understand what I'm saying? If you cannot take the Word of God and meditate on it for a while and begin to praise God and worship God and get excited, there's something wrong. You need to realize I've gone, I've, I've stepped, I've gone down more of these steps. I hope I'm making my, myself It's, it is possible for one who is oppressed to help himself. But when we get to this stage where obsession has some assumed control of a person's thinking, it, is, it has consumed control of a person's thinking. Write that down and underline it, please. He needs outside help to set him free. The reason of this is that one, when one has an obsession, the mind is changed. Black becomes white and white becomes black. They are liars many times and they don't even realize that they believe their own lies. How many have ever known anybody like that? <laughs> Don't smile at me. <laughs> they believe their own lies. They, they honestly believe that what they're saying is the truth. 
and it's not. And the more, the more they do this, the worse they get. And it's, it's craziness. It's absolutely, you know, many people will say, you know, I've heard people that were married four times come, that have come to me and say, I, I learned it the first time, and the same thing happened the second time, and it happened the third time, and now it's the fourth time. And they don't think it's them, they think it's the other person. Like, dear Lord, if it, if, if, if it, if it happens twice, you know, I figured out when we got married and we were having problems and they were the same kind I had with my ex-husband, he'd never been married, so it had to be me. You know, it doesn't take too much of a, a, a rocket scientist to figure that out. So, you know, just think about that for a little while in this. So black, white becomes black and they don't see things right and they don't, they don't think right. It's sad. I will be very honest with you. I will work with a person. I'm going to be very honest. I will work with a person that's at this stage. But if I don't see any change, I will insist that they go to a psychiatrist. You're looking at me really weird, but it's not going to do me any good to set this person free if they need to, if they need other help, okay? I'm, I'm, there's some people, some people do need, have gotten to the point, maybe they were in drugs years ago or whatever, they, they need help. A narcissist person, a, a bipolar person, you know, some people need help for a time. And I will, I will go, with them to the psychiatrist if they want me to. And I will be very honest with you, there's only one in these two counties that I could even suggest or that I would even recommend. That's pitiful. In, all, in these two counties, there's only one. And he's extremely busy. But he's very good. The mind is changed. Black and a lie become the truth. The loss of perspective causes the person to be out of step with everyone else around him. He does not realize he is obsessed with some wicked thing. Doesn't know it. Doesn't know it at all. And they, they can go out keep sinning. I'm ta we're talking about Christians here. We're not talking about the world, okay? I want you to understand this. I'm not talking about the world here. I'm talking about Christians. They don't even know it. They can keep on going on with their sin. They, they, they can read it in the Word. I can show them in the Word. We can talk about it in the Word. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But then go right out and do it and then come back and say there's nothing wrong with it. That is obsession. The next step is possession. Okay? You say, well, can a Christian be possessed? They have to completely deny God to get to that point. Okay? Because that means your spirit, which we'll get to later. So, I hope that we have um, 
gone as far as we can today. I think about Jesus and, you know, people might, might be in some of these. If you are, we're always available. But always know this, Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So there, there's hope. There's hope, but you, but you have to want it. You have to want it. I think one of the best books you could probably get is Rob Thompson's, wouldn't you? That really shows a person that, and what's it called, you know? He'll let you know. We'll let you know next week. His, his book really shows the mercy and the grace of God and someone that really had to take every step of his life and every thought captive to Jesus to get out of a nut house. Can you imagine? I promise you I've never been in a nut house except to go in there and try to minister to someone. <laughs> and I've told you that experience before. But we can end on something funny today, okay? Pastor loves this one. In our first church, we had a lady that... Um, her son-in-law had stabbed her daughter in the back. And um, she called and said, would you please go and visit my son-in-law? He's been incarcerated. And I thought, well, yeah, county jail, that's fine. She said, he's at an Atascadero State Hospital. And I had already given my word. And I went, Okay, I'll do it. Because I said I would do it. If I'd known, maybe I wouldn't have. But anyway, that was in the beginning of our ministry here. And I learned very quickly, even though Santa Cruz at the time we lived there was third in the world in witchcraft, I learned very quickly that Santa Maria was just as bad, if not worse. Not in witchcraft, but in other things. <laughs> it was amazing to me. Okay, so... We go up there, and I told Pastor, you're coming with me. And so he said, all right. And so they take us in. We go in one um, place, and they lock the, lock the gate. The, what was it, a, like a prison cell? <laughs> it wasn't It was, okay. Then they took us through to another one. You went through three of them, wasn't it? Two or three. And pastor's looking at me like, what have you now gotten me into? And it was almost hilarious, really, because of the look on his face. And um, we sat down, and they brought the guy in, and we introduced ourselves. And the, the worst part was the guard left. The person left. They were nowhere to be seen. And it was just us, us three, and no more. And God, four, us four, and no more. And we're sitting there. I, I was used to this because I told you when I first got saved, God told me to pick up lots of people and I'd put them in the car and start witnessing to them. And one had just gotten out of the mental hospital. And I was just a brand new baby Christian. I figured, well, if he gets nuts, I'll open up the door and jump out the, the car. That, was, that's, that is where I was in the beginning. So now 
years later, we were up here in, in the hospital and locked in. It was three, I remember now. And he sits down, he starts talking, he said, I met Jesus. And he looks at me like, don't say one. I, my husband and I have a, a look between us. And when he doesn't want me to say a word, he used to kind of hit me, kick me under the table. And one time I said, why are you kicking me? So that stopped that. But anyway, now um, he, there's a look. And he looked at me like, don't say a word. We're in here with this. <laughs> and uh, he had gone one other time with me when I did deliverance with Lorna and I. And um, yeah, he can, he's, he can, and he knew that this guy was right up there with the other guy. And um, he looked at me like, don't, don't, don't say a word. And I looked at him and I said, that wasn't Jesus. He said, I met him, I picked him up on the, on the freeway and I took him home and I taught him how to use utensils. <laughs> and pastors, the, the more he tells, John's looking at me and laughing because he knows Pastor real well. And so, Dan, I'm surprised you're not laughing because if you know Pastor, he doesn't want anything to do with this stuff. And he looked at me like, don't do it. Just don't even, just let him believe it. Let him think. I saw this look on his face like, if he wants to believe that he met Jesus and taught him how to eat with utensils, let him. He said he had this white gown on and, and long hair. And I could just imagine the guy. And I said, that wasn't Jesus. And Pastor was waiting for him to just write. And I, I had already bound it, so I knew it wouldn't, you know. And I just started explaining to him about Jesus. But I'll never forget that. I'll never forget the look on my husband's face of letting, if he wants to believe that, let him. You know, just let him. But we, you know, we can't. There's something in us that can't do that, if you, in me at least. If someone, if I, if I have the opportunity to sell someone the word and the truth, and so I just shared with him about Jesus and the real Jesus, you have found this was a counterfeit one. You didn't get the real one and shared with him the word. And then finally they came and let us out. And these are the kind of people, church, that are out there in this city. If you want, <laughs> go down and sit by the library for a while. <laughs> We've got some city workers that are laughing. They, God wants them free. He does. Jesus went about setting these people free. Do you want them free? I'm asking you, do you want these people free? Or are you like, Pastor, just shut up and don't say or not that he wants them free, but just don't say a word. But he wants them free. He went about doing good and healing, and pastor wants them free. Healing all who are oppressed of the devil. Amen? So that's, this church is, this is part of what this church is called to do, or I wouldn't be here. I would have gone to heaven by now. That's... <laughs> Really, seriously, or I would have gone by now. I could have. I had one chance, and I didn't. So start praying. Start praying for 90% more norm than, you know, 90. 
90% normal and 10% oppressed. Amen. 90% that are on fire for God know how to pray and 10%. I'm being honest. Okay. She's laughing, but it's truth. Some people get fearful when you talk about this stuff. But let me tell you, when you see a person that was demon-possessed get set free, when you see them get set free and you see their families, how excited they are, you'll, you'll want to do that. You'll want to go out and set the captives free. Some of you can sit back and think about some people in your family that you know might growl or carry on. Think of what it would be like to see them free. Is it worth it? So just throw them in the 10% and then <laughs> pray the other 90 in. Hallelujah. And those of you that work downtown, you, shouldn't, you can laugh all you want. But God sent us here to set the captives free. Amen? Does anybody need healing this morning?